Welcome to a special edition of Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, where we are collaborating with the Enthuse Foundation, who supports female entrepreneurs through education, mentorship, and grant funding. Today, our guest is one of the finalists in the 2023 pitch competition. As an enterprise leader, Drew Liederman was a marketing expert and content creator for Fortune 500 companies, who has together with her co-founder, Emily Cohen, started her own venture and developed a healthy snack. Drew and I are going to discuss their journey into entrepreneurship and how they started a business with a focus on providing healthy fuel on the go. Welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you here and congratulations on you and Emily becoming a finalist in the Pitch Foundation competition. Thank you so much. We're super excited. I bet. And you know, why don't we start with you telling our viewing and listening audience what it was your great idea and why did you decide to start your own business? Yes. So basically, we are the founders of Resist, me and Emily, and it all started from a personal story. Uh, so classic founder story of had a problem, looked for a solution when I couldn't find one, teamed up with the experts to make my own. So it all started when I was diagnosed with a personal health crisis, which was PCOS and insulin resistance, which is a common comorbidity of PCOS. And these are disorders that affect huge populations, especially in America. The former affects around 13% of women and the latter affects around a third of Americans. So super pervasive and a big part of it is the amount of sugar that we get in our diets. The average American gets 68 grams of added sugar in their diet. So if that goes to show you kind of why these uh, issues are so prevalent. Um, and really, there's no cure for these disorders, these metabolic conditions and hormonal conditions. But diet and lifestyle are the only ways to mitigate your symptoms, aside from pharmaceuticals, of course. And so when I was first diagnosed, my doctor recommended that low-carb, low-sugar diet, high protein. And when I turned to protein bars, I saw my symptoms go haywire. And when I delved into the reasons why, it was that there's two kinds of nutrition bars on the market. The ones that are filled with artificial ingredients but have great macros, and then the ones that have really great ingredients but terrible macros for blood sugar. And so we set out to make our own. Now, how did you meet Emily? Because there's always a story about why two people get together to start a business. And in your case, you were co-creators on the product. So how did you meet? Yes. So we met while in college at NYU. Emily was finishing up her master's degree in food studies, and I was working in the Entrepreneurial Institute. We met during their programs, which is really how we got our feet wet in the startup space. And through that, we were able to do, you know, under the guidance of NYU, a pilot test. We got a grant. We were able to work with amazing um, advisors and mentors in order to really test our idea and get the validation from our customers that yes, this is a product that people want and need and will actually pay for. Um, and so through that, we were able to validate it and then launch all three of our products last August in 2022. So we just had our one year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Now, what makes your, your business relationship so vital because you know there's lots of stories that we hear about co-creators or co-founders and things go astray um, and i know that obviously you've been you've done all the pilot testing so you know before you went to market you were obviously in business together so what makes for a successful co-partnership yeah i think that there's a few elements here and you know we definitely went into it with 
just an understanding that we would talk with each other, that we would communicate. And a big part of that was not being friends beforehand. We were always colleagues. We started that way. So there was a mutual respect from the get-go. Um, and then starting as students, we already, neither of us felt like we had the upper hand. As students, there was a level playing field. We could learn and grow together and support each other and help each other on the way. There's also things that we put into place since starting the business that have been really integral to our success as co-founders. One of them is a daily meeting just to go over what are you doing? What am I doing? And this is so beneficial because when we work from home, it might feel uh, like someone is doing a little bit more work and it's usually, right. you know, not so true. Um, and then also a meeting at the end of the week where we talk about unrelated to the business, just how we feel as people. How did you feel this week? Did I do anything to annoy you? Did I step on your toes? You know, you did this or X, Y, Z, and here's how I want to improve for the next week or month or year. Um, and that's really been beneficial to our co-founder relationship. You know, I love the fact that you mentioned you had two different disciplines when you met at NYU. So obviously you have, you stay in your lane, right? Even though you complement one another, you both sounds like you bring different skills to the business relationship, which contributes to your success. Agreed, for sure. Now, as an entrepreneur, what have you found has been your biggest challenge? Oh, this is such a great question. I feel like something that I've been hearing a lot recently has been that female founders are often over-mentored and underfunded. And I think that this is extremely true. So we've been able to access the most amazing minds and have amazing mental advisors, a great medical advisory board, the ability to ask really awesome people when we face challenges. Um, but when it comes to financing, it's been really difficult to get funding. And I think a part of that is our age being young founders who this is our very first venture. And then a part of it, I think is also our gender being young women and being commonly misunderstood and undervalued um, by partners in the space and then also investors, which is so silly because you see so many female founded businesses succeed. And I think that there's an amazing statistic out there related to revenue and female founders and how much the, the difference between female founders and male founders as far as success and That's revenue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that has definitely been a challenge for us. It's something that we've gotten really creative with. So like kind of this pitch competition and how much we've enjoyed applying to things like this, because it's an opportunity to one, tell our story, get people to understand a bit more about our business, meet investors, but also uh, compete for a really great prize. And so that's definitely um, a huge part of our strategy. Uh, for fundraising and then going through alternative fundraising as well, like debt uh, or loans. And, and that's been something that, while it seems daunting from the outside, we've been lucky enough to have some people who've done it before, who've made the, the road forward a lot easier. So you, you made a few mentions to the fact that you've had some really great mentors and you've had some people who perhaps have, and I'm sure at different stages in your business, you found mentors who have provided that thing that you were looking for. Is there any one in particular, any group that you've been affiliated with where you found that the opportunities to ask questions has been extremely helpful? Uh, definitely NYU. I mean, I couldn't say enough good things. Um, really, the, the program was incredibly helpful and continues to be so helpful. I was able to do so much even after graduating. Um, 
And I think schools are definitely undervalued from founders, especially alumni, when you can really look back on those resources and make them incredibly valuable. Um, specifically in part of the NYU ecosystem, I'm a female founders fellow. And that sounds like, you know, you know, I'm giving a lot as a fellow, but really I'm getting so much more. Um, and again, being a part of these female circles, being able to talk about things related to the struggles uh, that are unique to female founders, that has been um, a huge help uh, for those offhand questions, emotional support, um, kind of facing challenges. And the structure is really smart, the way that they put it on, where you're not only presenting on your skills, but you are offering up challenges. And same thing uh, for like rings of reciprocity, asking people like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you use your skills here? Because they operate off of the mentality that we are stronger together and we can fill in each other's um, blanks as far as knowledge. And it's just a really great community. You know, I'm really, uh, what I'm hearing is that you're mentor and mentee. So even though you're asking questions with those other folks that are in the group, you may be filling in the blanks for some other folks who may have either similar challenges or questions as you. So what a wonderful opportunity for, as you mentioned, reciprocity within that group. Um, it must be really wonderful to be able to get together with like-minded individuals and even just brainstorm. Yes, it's been really great. And I think I've been so lucky to not only have the group at NYU, but I've been able to be part of really other great female cohorts, um, specifically Bold Beginnings, which is uh, founded by Tara Bosch, who's the founder of Smart Suites. That was an amazing program specifically for founders under 30, uh, female founders under 30. That gave its own special um, help. And, and additionally, the kind of you give and you also get yeah, and right. you learn and you also right. don't know how smart you are. I think that's definitely something that I've learned through being a part of these groups that you really do know so much and knowing those things that can help so many other people. You might think that it's common knowledge. You might think that they already know it, but just being able to share your expertise, so valuable. And then vice versa with people sharing things and really the kind of the idea behind, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know True. what questions to ask. Yes. So letting people teach you without coming in with too much of your own um, ideas of what it should be has been a really great way to just have that, you know, flow. Connection. Yeah, for sure. Now, how did you hear about the Enthuse Foundation? Yes. So it's so funny because I can't remember. I must have found out about it from another founder or one of these Slack channels or LinkedIn. But the reason I say I can't remember is because I actually applied to Enthuse for the first time three years ago. So this is my third time applying and finally got it. Um, and the first time we applied, we had no product in market. We were about to launch our pilot test. So really just an idea. Um, and it was great because when we didn't get accepted as finalists, we were able to meet with Rachel who works at Enthuse and she gave us so much great advice around our deck and around our product, which did help us as we kind of moved forward with our learnings around the pilot test. And then the next year I applied. So like I said, we launched our product in August of 2022. So right after we launched, I applied again with very little data around our product and Again, we got to meet with Rachel again and go over the deck and learn more and prepare ourselves for this year. And finally, third time's a charm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we got in and uh, it was, it's been such a validating experience to, you know, never give up. And that's definitely like the ethos that we 
uh, as you know, two female founders definitely live live by, you know, and I think part of it is a, a bit of a stubborn personality that lends itself to uh, tenacity. You know, I, I really love that you're sharing with our viewing and listening audience that, you know, it, it doesn't come easy, right? Um, I love to hear the saying, well, this overnight success to like 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, yeah. you have to have the tenacity to believe in yourself and, mm -hmm. and really take your great idea to the next level. And you've had some wonderful help along the way. And kudos to both you and Emily for reaching out, asking the right questions and not being afraid to retry if even in a situation where you may class something as a failure. So congratulations to you for, for having the tenacity to keep going and believing in yourself, which is really very important. I really appreciate you saying that. I think that that is learned. It is definitely learned. Mm -hmm. In the very beginning, we were so bad at asking for help. We thought it would make us look dumb and that it would make us look like we didn't know what we were doing. So people right. would lose belief in us. Um, and we've had moments like any other founder of like, are we doing the right thing? Do people care about this? You know, should we keep going? Do people actually want this? And kind of moving past um, those insecurities and really just listening. Sure. And that was that is the moment where you can realize if you if it is really needed and if people really are, um, you know, excited about what you're doing and letting them tell you and, and not listening to the voice in the back of your head, which is, of course, easier said than done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, if you had to share three words of advice for our viewing and listening audience who may be thinking about starting a business or taking their company to the next level, what would they be? So I said it briefly before, but it is don't give up. The I heard another founder say this, and I can't I can't pinpoint exactly who it was, but that the founders that succeed are not the founders with the best product or the best team or, you know, even the right time. Even it is a founder that didn't give up. And if you never give up, you'll never fail uh, in some ways. And I think that is the, the kind of the model that we live by. We just we don't give up. We keep going. Well, kudos to you, because I'm absolutely sure with the, the tenacity that you and Emily are presenting with your great idea that there'll be some really great things for both of you in the future. Now, how does our viewing and listening audience connect with you? You've given us some really great insight into the story behind the story and some of the barriers that you've had to break for success. But how do folks really connect with you now? Yes. So our social media is the best way to connect with me and with Emily. We run it ourselves and we plan to do it for the foreseeable future. Like you said in the beginning, I come from that content creation social media background. So you'll see my and Emily's faces all over our socials. You can find us on all channels at Eat Resist. And, and all, the, all the platforms, you have the same actual handle. Yep. Now that's a story in itself because <laughs> as a marketing expert, that's a really wonderful thing to do because yeah. it makes it easy, right? It does. And it's short, very short. It's right. Easy to remember. Mm -hmm. Now, are you only available online or are you also in store? So we are mostly online and on Amazon. Those are the best places to find us. We're also in a handful of independent retailers, um, doctor's offices, medical spas, clinics, uh, and those are also really great places to find us. We try and meet our customer right where they're at, um, especially in that need state of that I experienced myself in my own um, blood sugar and hormone health journey. But hopefully um, in the next few months, you'll see us on a few more shelves that are a little bigger and more noteworthy. So well, you'll see that soon. Well, I'm sure you will. I mean, seriously, Drew, you've got uh, you, the enthusiasm for, and passion for your business comes out in the story that you shared with us today. And I have absolutely no doubt that you and Emily will be able to tick off all those boxes on your strategic plan. 
I have a little challenge for you though. I'm going to ask that you and Emily join us on our regular uh, show so that we can have a conversation about the whole idea of being co-creators and co-founders. Are you game? I would love that. All right. We'll make sure that we send out an invitation and book a date and we'll ensure that we get the opportunity to speak with both of you so that we can hear both sides of the story. So congratulations once again for being a, a finalist in the 2023 pitch competition, which I know is next week. And uh, I'll be sure to uh, keep an eye on the events as they unfold so that we can continue to stay in touch. Sounds good. Thank you so much. To you, our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us for today's special edition of Keeping It Real with a behind the scenes look into business ownership and breaking barriers to success. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series, and I'd like to extend a special thanks to the team at the Enthuse Foundation for all the work they do to support business innovation and the journey to success. You may visit them on their website and their contact information will also be found in the description portion below. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Business Mentorship Keeping It Real, and visit our website, shareyourstories.online, where we feature business stories from international entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders while celebrating their great ideas. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time for another edition of Keeping It Real.